<laughs> Here we go. Thank you so much for tuning in to the... Oh, no, that's... <laughs> how do we do it? Hello. How do you do it? I don't care. However okay. you want to do it. I was just thinking... Change it up. To it. Hello, and thank Rip you for it. tuning in. Oh, I'm ripping. Hello, thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. Yeah. 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 This is Sam. Yeah. Very good friend. Just a gift of a human. Matt Garber. Hello. And in today's episode, we're doing a crowd favorite, a listener favorite Q&A, question and answer. You have questions, we have opinions that are in the shape of answers, and then you can do what you want with them. But we're super excited. Thank you, uh, everyone who participated on the Instagrams uh, of sharing your questions and your thoughts. We love getting to know the community and also sharing our opinion on the questions you have. So hopefully this is fun, this is entertaining, and educational. And with that, Matt, it's time to do housekeeping. Oh, crap. I will say I am, like, recovering from, like, bronchitis. And so if I am coughing like crazy, I apologize. I'll probably have you just, like, mute me whenever... I, yeah, if I have, like, you know, a fit. But anyway. I'll take care of it. No, I got housekeeping. I think I got this. Friends, family, grandmas. We know you're listening, (laughs) Nana. Go ahead and like, subscribe, leave us some comments. I want to (coughs) read. Sorry, I'm dying. I want to read the comments. Please send comments. That would be great. Take this time now and comment. (laughs) Mm-hmm. We'll wait. It's okay. We'll make it awkward. A little like waiting room elevator music. Anyway, nothing like me to make housekeeping intense. Um, <laughs> uh, what else do we say? Sam, what do you say? Uh, I think that's it, right? That's pretty much it. Yeah, I usually say, you know, screenshot the episode. That'd be great. Do yeah. that. Post it on Instagram. Tag That'd Matt great. for the record mastering. Hell yeah. Tag me, most mastering. Yeah. We'll reshare it, you know, and then we cross market, but also we get to know you one on one that way. And it's awesome. Hell yeah. That's great. All right. Sweet. Tag team. Boom. Kind of. You kind of covered it. Yes. Carry on. QA. All right. So (coughs) I am so sorry in advance for my voice. Um, We actually could not record last week because I could not even form a sentence without coughing. It was. Horrible. Difficult. So I posted, yo, send me some questions in a few different places. Uh, let's go here. We're just going to hop into it, see where we end up. How's that sound? Love it. Into it. All right. What? Into it. All right. Cool. So I guess I should set a timer. I won't set it, but like I'll like have a little stopwatch and I'll stop us like two minutes or so. Because last time in the spring one, it would like buzz in my ear, scares the absolute crap out of me. <laughs> I, I'm not really into that right now. So, yes. All right. You're going to like this first one. Okay. How about upward compression? Do you guys ever feel the need to use it? Yes, Same. I do. I'm a huge fan of upward compression expansion. Become a big fan about a uh, big fan here about two years ago. I noticed that I am able with the compressed mixes that I get, which is fine. People like that sound. Um, I like that sound. General consumer seems to really like compressed records. 
um, upward can really allow you to make it kind of dance and move again and have some life to it. Not that compressed records are not lifeless, but you can just get a a little uh, jump, a little shuffle here and there. You can make the kicks pop, a little snare pop. Um, And that's kind of how I use it. I first kind of got into this idea actually using OTT. I was so late to OTT, free plugin. Most of y'all probably had it. I don't know. It's got to be old, like real old. But anyway, stumbled upon that. Well, I didn't stumble upon it. Someone was just like, you got to try it. And I was like, all right, fine. So I did, and I used the upward the first time I tried it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually kind of fun. And it goes from great to awful real quick. But Mm -hmm. if you use your ears, which is what I encourage you to do with upward compression or expansion and regular compression, you can start to feel the stuff kind of leap out of the speakers, kind of dance a bit, and still retain that super high uh, you know, level of loudness. So yeah, use it, experiment with it. It's I'm not going to call it a secret, but it's a great technique that I've found to really allow my records to be really loud and compressed still while also jumping kind of out of the speaker still and having some movement. It's kind of like tricking your ears with dynamics. I mean, it's kind of creating a little bit of new dynamics in theory. When you print it in, you'll see new transients. But you know, you're smashing into a limiter again and it kind of goes away. But you can create just a little bit of space if you do it right. Okay, I don't I'm understand done. how it's free. I don't know, but it is. Why is something so powerful? So I don't know, free? so many people use it too. I don't know anyone who uses it besides you and me. Skrillex uses it. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, my answer is yes. And it's pretty much within the last like eight months or so that I've gotten into it. With OTT specifically, I feel like it's a plug-in where, to me, I could be wrong elsewhere, uh, the default is garbage. And you really need to reset the defaults. I I don't know what. You reset the defaults? Yes, I have it on a setting I like to start at. I have to reset it every time. Like, I have to reset, like, every new plugin, I have to set my defaults. Yeah, that's what I do too. Um, but OTT in particular, and people, are, people will say, oh, I don't like the tone it gives. It's like, I'm, and I'm curious if they actually reset the defaults on it. But my answer is yes. I don't use it all the time, but if something is a little dynamically challenged, it's a way to not necessarily increase dynamics per se, but the perceived notion of dynamics and movement uh, is greatly benefited by upward compression. All right, that is three minutes and 30 seconds. Stop. Reset. All right, I'm going to kind of do an underhand one for you, Sam. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for like an underhand pitch? Uh, Not like underhanded, like, compliment. Like, I'm uh, ready. Well, it's like an underhanded question of like besides it's like one of those like <laughs> it'd be so mean in an interview be like besides the obvious what's your least desirable characteristic <laughs> and it's like uh besides the obvious <sighs> uh that's it's so cringy that's that's underhanded to me okay but i'm mm-hmm. talking like easy like yeah. an easy kind of a pitch yeah what what is it. the best daw logic there you go. <laughs> Logic's the best doll. There you go. <coughs> um, 
I could take the generic answer and I could say whichever uh, you work best in and makes and improves your workflow the best and correct essentially allows you to move the way that you want to move and work the way that you want to work. Um, I'm still open to other DAWs besides Logic. I love Logic. I move. I I work really quick in Logic. Um, I really want like a UAD, like Apollo or something, just so I can get Luna because I want to master in Luna for a session, just see how it goes. Um, but I don't want it to buy an Apollo and all that stuff. Um, I tried Wave Lab. I need to give it another shot, but I don't know. I, I don't. I, the only downside with Logic to me is that you need sometimes other plugins if you need to make a DDP and whatnot. Um, but it's like the upside is that you move super quick, and at least I do. <coughs> and it's like super old. It's like 2010. No, 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 no. When did when did uh, when did X come out? I don't know, but it's been a while now. It's been a minute. Has it been almost 10 years? Like, there's got to be, like, another update. No way. It's I been, don't know. You think it's been 10 years? I guess maybe. Yeah, it was when I was in Hilton Head. Logic Pro uh, X release. Feels kind of new still to me. Because they're always giving uh, cool updates on it, actually. I know. That's why it's best. Uh, it was like 2013, 2014. Yeah. So we're like right around 10 years. Wow. Wow. Time flies. I actually was a bit of a hold off on logic because I just, my brain didn't, well, I was also new to Mac too, so I'm sure that didn't help, but like yeah. logic nine to me just did not make sense. So... I don't know what they, what do they do like Studio One or something. I had like a lot of pre-sona stuff. Anyway, moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my short answer would also be Logic. It's just nice. This is like this is a guy asking us a question on the Attack and Release Show page, and I don't really know how to answer him. I don't have an answer for this, but you might have an answer for this. But okay. I imagine that other people might be interested. Uh-huh. Do you have any resources for mixed but unmastered music to practice on? Oh my gosh. This is one of those things we've talked about on and off that I've said needs to be created as an archive of mixes and masters so people can actually learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't outside of occasionally, if you go on Google and search for like audio contests or mix contests, sometimes it'll be songs that are out already and then they give the the stems out or the even the multi-track out to do like a quote-unquote remix, but you can at least see where it was. Um, but no, I don't have a good answer for this. And I've asked like some of my mixers when people have asked me this question of like, hey, do you mind if I send your mixes to somebody else to like practice on? And, and I get it. They're like, no, definitely not. <laughs> so they want to keep their work, you know, between me and, you know, the artists and whatever. And yeah, it's also quote unquote not finished. So I get that too. Um, and I fully respect that. But yeah, we need to have some sort of mixers need to unite and land on some sort of archive where they're 
they're willing to put out the mixes and the artist agrees, yeah, you can put the mix out and the master. There's got to be a way for somebody to make a lot of money on this. Like the people who have already worked on it too, um, where they could be compensated. It could be like a subscription thing. 10 bucks a month gets you access to a thousand mixes. Sounds like a great job for the blockchain. Yeah, you know. But anyway, I wish I had a better answer, but no, there's nothing really to my knowing. And if somebody out there knows of a resource, holler at Matt and I so we can share it. Um, please. Please. Okay, All right. that's my answer. I think I can make through this really long question. Okay. Um, but it's a really good question. And I had a conversation with a guy who asked this earlier. Mm. <clears throat> my question is too long for the question box, but how often are you guys getting mixes that have factual errors that are not noticed until after the clients hear the mastered version. For example, <coughs> when the non-limited mix for mastering is created by the mix engineer or producer, something goes wrong with the bounce, such as missing parts, something was muted, a plug-in glitch, wrong vocal take, or not final edit. Weird levels due to unexpected routing, busing, changing when the session is reopened to create the version for mastering. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's end it there. So, how many times do you re- do you receive something um, that has factual errors that are not noticed until after the clients hear the mastered version? This at this stage for me happens once a week. Yeah. For sure, it's pretty common. I would say for me, it's every kind of annoying yeah. too. It's a little yeah. It's uh, it's a bit uh, annoying, especially when everybody says this is the final mix, and then you master it, and they go, "Oops, that wasn't it," <laughs> or something went off, or the busing was wrong. I get it though. I mean, people make mistakes. They hit buttons. I probably make an error once every few months where I'll hit a button on export or something. I've done it. And then, you know, I've listened to it on the way in, and so I assume it's done, and, you know, sometimes I'll listen back down, and I won't catch something either. Like, it's possible. Um, So I have grace with it. I don't recharge an extra fee any Mm -hmm. for something like that. I just say, sounds good. Send me the correct one, and we'll get taken care of. What if Um, there's a part missing? If there's a part missing, I don't recharge for that. Like, no, like... Guitar, like a whole guitar part that's missing, or I mean, if I notice something when I'm listening, if like the bass just drops out, or like I mean, I had this happen this week. Somebody sent me the final, and it was just an acoustic guitar, and I was missing the drums and vocals. (laughs) And I said Hmm. the acoustic sounds terrific, which it did. And I was like, "Is this an instrumental record we're doing?" And they said, "Oops, no, I was you know up late bouncing this out, and here's the real one with all the parts." That one I didn't start. That one I asked because I thought the way the conversations we had about what the record was, I was like, huh. So yeah. I, I thought this was a band with vocals and lead singer. And all I got was a bunch of acoustics. <laughs> so if I catch it all 100%, like if I have a thought about it, yeah, I'll bring it up. Yeah, I bring up stuff all the time, honestly. The stuff that feels strange. Like last week I caught a tuning air. You know, I, I'll i catch one or two things a week, quality control yeah. for people on just the first listen and say, hey, you know, I always word it in a very nice way of like, this this is, this is could be nothing. And, you know, 
My humble opinion is at 126, this word feels like it got pushed out of pitch compared to the, you know, the lead. And 99% of the time, they're like, oh my gosh, thank you. You know, we, I don't know how we missed that. So, or sometimes they say, oh my gosh, we hit the wrong button or put in the wrong comp, you know, or something. So it happens like every week. It probably happens every week that there's a wrong file, but I catch things all the time through the week, probably three to five times a week. I'll catch a song that has a, what I'll say is an error that they end up fixing and resending. If it's tuning, this might be mean. I normally don't bring it up. Yeah. Because it's a client-approved mix. Everyone listened to it. I know. Everyone should have heard this tuning error. Well, yeah. If it's like a weird, like, like the drums are offbeat. It's like, what are they going to do? Like, you're going to go re-record the drums? Or are you going to, like, go, like, realign it in post or something? It's like... Y'all approve this. Um, if there's, <coughs> if there's like something larger, like it feels like there's a part missing, or like there's like weird phase stuff, like something that is going to restrict the mastering process, yeah, or make it so that mastering is not really like like if it's just like not to the point to where it feels like it can be mastered. So, like, weird phase, weird something. I mean, I've still mastered stuff like that, but um, I also don't want to cause doubt at the mastering stage. I'm not afraid to um, because it's my job to bring up something that's weird um, because if I think it's weird, other people might think it's weird, but uh, it's something I always have to weigh is, like, am I going to be causing doubt at this stage? Right. And it's like with auto-tune and whatnot, it's like I'll, I'll typically let that stuff go. If it's like like random pops or clicks or junk like that, I'll try to remove stuff as best I can. Um, if I can tell that it's not intentional, that they're, say, they're not using like a tape machine and they have right. noise put on there. Anyway, we're at five minutes for this question, so I'm going to move on. Do you have anything else to say about it? Um, no, I mean, I don't. I don't like to put doubt in their mind either. I, I mean, I guess I'll say like I only bring it up if it's like glaring, you know. Like if it's, I let a lot of stuff fly, but I think of the vol the volume, not like level, but the amount yeah. of songs I get every week. It's just it happens. The yeah. tuning thing is more so like I pay really close attention to how the choruses hit, and like with this one this week was like course three, the BGB harmonies were different than one and two to the point where it was mm. out of tune. So I said, hey, chorus one and two, BGB uh, harmonies are doing this. And on the third one, yeah. it's pitched up a hat, you know, to my ear, it's a half note off. And they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, we put in the wrong comp. So stuff like that, I'll catch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I if there's something glaring or anything like that, I'm going to bring it up. Or if it feels mm. off based on conversation, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it up and I don't recharge for anything. So anyway, that's all. Carry on. Good. It's a great question. Good, good, good. Um, best way to get new clients. Ask your current clients for referrals. Damn. <laughs> that knowledge bomb. That's it. And the best time, I guess one other thing is as soon as you wrap a project, ask that client, what do you, you know, when's your release date? You know, make sure to tag me so I can also share it. And then say, when are you gonna you know, when's your next projects? And do you know anybody else who'd be a good fit? Send them my way. And that's how you do it. It's very simple. 
I love the ask clients for referrals. That's my that's me. That's that's my whole business. I mean, there's some other things like within Instagram marketing, probably not. And by marketing, I mean I just post consistently for the last ten years, <laughs> like five minutes. Do a day. you ask your clients like to refer you or to? Give you the name of people you can reach out Just to. Just send people my way. So usually it'll come in the form of like that client will CC somebody. Be like, hey, here's Joey. I was, you know, Joey heard my record. Because usually artists or mixers, like, they're showing their work to other people. Sure. Like a lot of my bands show their record to other bands. And then the band will ask who worked on it. And then mastering That's especially. That's how I get a lot of my stuff. Yeah, mastering's like an... Usually an easy sell, honestly, because it's there's so many, unfortunately, like I'll say bad mastering engineers. Um, so most people are not happy with their mastering engineer, I found. And I think that comes from, I don't know, people who claim to be mastering engineers and are doing it as, well, whatever. I don't want to get into it. But anyway, to answer the question, ask your current clients for referrals and ask them when they're doing their next project. And if they give you a date, write it down. Put a reminder. Hey, follow up with so-and-so in three months. Do that. It's great. It's a, it's a business. Treat it like it. <laughs> there you go. All right. I'm going to move on. I don't have anything better than that. <coughs> My voice is also starting to go. So, um, Do you all ever write your own music? Yes. I do. You write music every episode. <laughs> yeah, I make beats. I I write stuff with for like rap and hip hop, like with artists. It's just like side project stuff with no what intention. What was your thing that you came out with? Uh, I was my own rapper during COVID, and when I broke my foot, it was sick. I loved it. Yeah, it's good. I thought it was good. Mayday James. That's my artist name. <laughs> Is it still up? Do you pull it? No, it's up. I love it. I think it's interesting rap and hip hop. I wasn't it you it and your friend? Didn't y'all like like double team on something? Um, there's a couple features where people asked me to feature on their songs, which was cool. Like they thought what I was doing was cool and asked me to do a verse. But I also I do I produce rap like for four or five different artists in the country, and that sounds so vague. But it is like a couple of here, a couple of Atlanta, Florida, uh, New York, and um, you know, that's I just kind of do that on the side for fun. It's not really like a um, part of my business, I'll say. But it scratches a creative itch, and I just love hip hop, so it's fun. But yeah, I'm writing stuff all the time. I'm always making beats. <coughs> I my answer to this is. I write music I've never recorded myself. Um, I thought about it um, a few years ago, and I had like I had a I had a bunch of time on my hands. You can go back and listen to one of the uh, last episodes from last season. You can kind of figure out why I had a lot of time on my hands, um, and uh, I got really really good at like a bunch of like music that I had written and I was like man I should just I should just record this sometime and I never I never got around to it but I have like a, I don't know I probably have literally an LP worth of like stuff that I could probably 
um, put together. It was, it's just like instrumental stuff. Like I am, I used to sing as a kid, but um, I don't anymore. I found a love of cigars. On to the next question. <laughs> Favorite go-to cigars? Look at that. Look at how the world works. Sam, do you ever dabble in the cigar world? Yeah, I used to smoke all the time. <laughs> like cigars? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I did. I smoked cigars. I mean, in college, I smoked a lot. I smoked many a thing. <laughs> um, cigars, I really liked CAO. I think that's what it is, CAO. I like <coughs> Drew mm-hmm. Estates, I think it was. I think was. CAO is based out of Tennessee, actually. Is it really? I think it's Drew think Estates. So. He made like Java mm-hmm. and different ones. Um, yeah, he made that along with Rocky Patel. Yeah. Uh, the Java's delicious. If you need like a dessert cigar, yes. I'm not a flavored cigar guy, but good Lord, it's delicious. I was a flavored cigar guy, so say what you want about that my cigar. Did you do like the Cuba Cuba by Drew Estates? Uh, yes, like all of those. I uh, was a big Drew Estates fan. I couldn't. Um, Romeo <laughs> Julieta, um, Cohibas. Had a guy who was in the military. Had a guy. Had a guy. Everybody's got a guy for Cubans, and he would bring them back. Um, really was into um, cloves. The cigarette and then clove the jarums, the jarums. Yeah, I used to sell those. Obama got the uh, cigarette menthol ones banned, and then you, they yep. made the cigar ones, which were not the same. <coughs> but anyway, I'm not saying all that is like a braggy thing, but that's I don't ever want like drugs to sound like cool, even though it's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's my experience, and then I stopped smoking fully, probably. I haven't smoked anything in eight years, I don't think. Well, there you go. So it's been a long time. I just started when I stopped, and then randomly when I do it, I just get so congested. So it just, yeah, I don't have the uh, the tolerance anymore. But I loved it. <coughs> I'll say I, I love. I will say that I my love smoking is not for cigars. <laughs> I also kind of have like a an addictive like personality. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. go hard into things. So, you know, I bought like pipes and had like a humidor and bought three hookahs and I was just kind of like if I, I just kind of going hard into it. If I start, yeah, if I start something like that, now I'm a lot better because I can kind of see see it more clearly. Like when I get into things, but yeah, I. Uh, Quite the collection going. Anyway, you're more the uh, the connoisseur of it all. Yeah, and my uh, coughing and voice and all that stuff has nothing to do with this. <laughs> I like you're like literally seeing. I think like <coughs> like Luke Bryan and other people. They're like canceling tour dates and stuff. And I think they have this. Um, so I'm kind of a celebrity, I guess, almost, but. This is like, man, it's like knocking me out for like two and a half weeks now. Hmm. Um, here, give me a second. I've got like a little pill I can take from a cough. Good grief. <laughs> um, <laughs> like shaking pill bottles over here. Um, as far as cigars, um, stuff that's legal in the United States, I would say, and moderately affordable— 
I would say, like a go-to is uh, Arturo Fuente, the 858, the natural rapper. Um, kind of gotten into like Ashton VSGs. Um, pretty delicious. You got to have a little bit of chest hair to put up with those. <laughs> um, they will put hair on your toenails. Let's see. I don't really dabble in a lot of the the U.S. stuff. Um, I don't want to sound elitist at all, but I am. I, I do. I do love some Cuban cigars, and I do have a source. And um, H up. Well, it's like I wasn't a snob until I started going to like Hong Kong pretty regularly, and um, for my other job. And I really got into H. Upman, Connoisseur A, Connoisseur B, um, Partagas. These are all Cuban. Uh, Partagas, Lusitanias. Um, I really love Hoya de Monterey, uh, uh, Double Coronas. These are like a massive, like eight inch long cigar. It's not like super, like big around, maybe like 56 ish ring gauge. Um, ring gauge is measured in 64ths of an inch. And so it would be 56, 64ths of an inch, which is wild because sometimes they'll have like a ring gauge that's like a 70 ring gauge, just massive honker of a cigar. And it's like at that point, it's kind of funny because it's like, well, it's either a decimal point at that point or like a fraction because you're over the 64ths of an inch. You're 70, 64ths of an inch, like mathematically, like does not compute. Um, I love that. Romeo Julieta, the uh, the Churchill, like like – they're incredible. I love uh, Cohiba Siglo 4, Siglo 5, Siglo 6. Um, I mean, just about anything. Bolivar, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. Um, in all honesty, this sounds also elitist. The only thing I really don't like is uh, um, Sumatran uh, tobacco from uh, 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 Ecuador. It's, for whatever reason... Um, I can tell that it is from that it is Sumatran tobacco because for whatever reason it specifically gives me like a headache in a certain part of my head. Mm. And uh uh what is it? La Florida Manicana released and was awarded first place by Cigar Aficionado, um a cigar, I think it was called like La Bull or something, um, received first place. <coughs> and so of course, I'm going to try it, and I tried it, and I didn't even I didn't read anything up on it, and I was having a cigar with my friend, and I said, "Man, I like," and it's like I don't want to ever sound like a douche, but I'm just like, "Man, I think there's like like this there's got to be like Ecuadorian tobacco. I have not had this type of headache in years." And I pull up the description of it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, the wrapper and like the binder or something were like Ecuadorian," and I was like. I don't know why, but it's something in that region. I don't know if it's something that they do their tobacco or whatnot. It always gives me a freaking headache. So all just about any cigar, it's like even if you're like you're, it's not Cuban. I mean, anything Dominican, um, anything uh, Nicaraguan, Nicaraguan specifically from the Esteli Valley, uh, Padron, uh, Perdomo. I mean, you're gonna get like just incredible smoking cigars. Uh, Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley recently sold. Um, but I mean, like, their Prensada, their Tempest, their Americana. The only thing with Alec Bradley I don't care for is they're fine and rare because it's neither fine nor rare. Um, but yeah, those are, those are kind of like my favorites. Um, all right, back to business. DB, uh, DBA versus LLC. 
as a solo mastering engineer. Um, do you want me to take this? Yeah, you can. I've been both, and now I'm an S-Corp, so... Um, if you, you are lead. able... If you are able to get to S-Corp, do it. You're going to save 15% on um, self-employment tax. <coughs> I.e. not have to pay it. But you're going to have to set up, in order to be an S-Corp, you're going to have to set up payroll. You're going to have to have, like, meetings, and you're going to have to take minutes in those meetings. Um, and, I mean, they can be as formal, as informal as you want. And you also need to do something, which is a very bizarre gray area. Um, you need to take a reasonable salary, and that's the IRS definition. Essentially, Google mastering engineer mm-hmm. and take somewhere within that range. That's probably what the IRS would do. Mm-hmm. And that would be termed as reasonable. Um, so you at least need to do that. You can do distributions however you want outside of that. But that I would term as reasonable. Um, if you're not going to do that, um, I would do an LLC at the very least. DBA, uh, there's no separation between you, John Doe, and John Doe's mastering service. So if, let's say, something happens legally, um, there's no legal separation between John Doe and John Doe's mastering service. So every, so someone could come from for everything. Um, as opposed to an LLC, there is a legal separation between the two. Granted, you need to really keep your books separate. Don't go intermingling finances and stuff like that. It's a really easy way for a lawyer to kind of get that whole protection thrown out, like a prosecuting lawyer. Um, Something I don't know um, is this is something I would love to ask somebody. But in the case of, say, um, like a divorce, is your business LLC technically protected um, in that instance, or is it liable to be? Um, I don't know. Is it liable to be roped into personal assets? I do not know the answer to that one. Um, it was just something I randomly thought of for no reason in particular. <laughs> My wife and I are doing fantastic. We actually do not say that word in the house. It's the D word. We don't say that word. Um, it's probably the third time I've said that word ever. So I don't even joke about it. But that that's the one instance I don't know about. But I would say at the very least an LLC. Do you have anything for that, Sam? As far as LLC divorce? No, LLC, <laughs> DBA, escort. I don't know about the LLC divorce thing. Um, I started at, everything you said was good. Pretty much like okay. exactly correct. I started as a DBA. I moved to an LLC, then I moved to an S Corp to save on taxes, and my CPA recommended it, and he takes care of everything with payroll, and we do our our meetings are literally like I don't need to share, but you can make your meetings quickly. <laughs> the the two yeah. you have to do, you have to do an annual annual report, which he takes care of that. It's honestly after I've been an S Corp for this will be my fourth year. Um it's not that complicated. But you, mm. I, I don't. You would not want to do it without a CPA. Um, no. But you can find a CPA. I mean, well, fine. I went through five, and this guy that I've been using now for four years has been great, and I don't ever plan on leaving him. But, um, 
But yeah, it's just, it's a little complicated. And then come tax time too, you have some different forms of income and um, some different schedules that you have to do. And I definitely don't know how to do that. But I recommend an S-Corp. It saves me um, probably almost 8% total when it's all said and done, which is a lot of money. And hmm. uh, it's it's pretty great. And the reasonable salary thing, we've just... I lean on the the side of caution with everything with taxes. So I we take like... We never let my distributions go past 40% of my salary. So even through the year, if the if I'm having like a bigger year, a few months, we'll adjust my payroll to make the salary higher. Because you can kind of adjust your salary at any time. Um, and same with distributions. So that's I don't where, think you run a risk unless you've heard different. What's that? I don't think you run a risk. Do you mark it as owner withdrawal or is it like an equity draw? Um, I don't even know. I'd have to ask him. But he just said that we should (coughs) err on a certain side of basically not having more distributions, whatever pulls, than than the salary of a certain percentage. Hmm. I don't know. But that's what I do, and it's worked, and I don't get audited thus far or anything. So, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) in general, um, from what I understand... Not from experience. Knock on wood. Or something wood. <laughs> um, audits generally come in the form of you misrepresenting your bottom line on your balance sheet and P&L and you misrepresenting payroll. Um, <coughs> those are like the two big red flags. Um Sure, there's random audits and whatnot, but that's what I hear are the two general really big red flags. Yeah. There's also like the IRS definitely like your increase of audits like double and triple depending on the amount of income you're making. Mm-hmm. So your personal income. So there's things within that where the amount we make now has it. We've done like two different. There's like two different. Th- well, there's lots of thresholds, but the increase of our audit is basically like three times probably what it was when I first started. Mm-hmm. So we just keep everything really nice and tidy. Sure. Um, and that's just me, though. I'd rather do that than ever have to deal with the IRS. So Sure. All right. Yes. Let's, uh, we have more questions. Yes. Um, we'll, probably <clears throat> we'll probably zoom through these. Um, what are your three desert island plugins? Ooh, fun. Uh, Tokyo Dawn, Gentleman's Edition, the limiter. Um, Lodge GQ, Stock EQ, R Base. Damn. That's it. Mm-hmm. One moment. <coughs> You're going to probably need to edit out some of my <laughs> hacking. I apologize. It's all right. I can clean it up. I run gates on it, so it'll take care of most of it. But I am going to far exceed any gate you put on it. I don't know. <laughs> um, for me, I would say um, UAD Ampex ATR 102. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I love that newfangled Elevate. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I love it. It is a CPU HOG, but holy moly, it's great. Um, what else do I use? You know what? Mm. Um, I'm putting Inflator in there, too. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Those are, I'm just kind of like going through like my list right now. Um, post and pre. Yeah, those have to be it. I I absolutely love it. So, okay, cool. Minute and a half. Let's see what else we got. Any strategies for Google ads without attracting the wrong clients? I don't know anything about Google ads. Never ran I don't one. recommend it. Never done it, so I can't I don't speak. recommend it. Um I don't think I don't think you'd get the right clients. Um I don't think the money's there for mastering to do it. Um Yeah, if anyone can tell me different, please do. I don't think the ROI is there. Um, you'd probably be better off if you wanted to really run a digital ad, maybe Facebook, Instagram, but it's going to be so native that I don't even know if it would work. Yeah, I just I just wouldn't even run them. Okay, if you guys had to start over from scratch in 2023, what would you do different? Um, I would invest, invest immediately into full-range monitors, a good converter, just buy the Lynx Hilo, and a room. Um, I would probably not buy any gear up front outside of that. Then I would only market to mixers. And I would charge a professional rate from day one. This would be assuming that you're like actually like you kind of like know how to master. <laughs> if I literally woke up one day and was just like, I'm going to be a master engineer, then I would talk to master engineers first, like me or Matt or other people that'll give you some time before doing all that. And that's it. Yeah. I buy a Crane song head quantum over a helo, but that's about it. <clears throat> I've actually had a little bit of problem with the quantum this year. Uh-oh. Might get into it in a gear episode around November. Um, I've had to send it in for service three times. All right, let's look. How, why should you incorporate RX into a mastering chain? I would more say like flow as opposed to chain. And it's if it's appropriate or not. I personally never use RX. Never? No. Like maybe I've used it once in my life when someone was demanding me to use it to see what they were seeing. I love RX. Yeah, I never use it. Even to fix clicks and pops, I just use waves click or waves hum or waves crack. Um, so I can't I really use, speak into it, I guess. I use RX quite extensively. Um, 
not as much as some, but pre, I specifically upsample with it. I love the sample rate converter in it. I think it sounds fantastic. It doesn't add any random junk to anything. I really like that. Um, <clears throat> and then post, I love the click removal. I've literally, I think I've said this before, I've been able to literally remove like an air conditioner from a live mix while <laughs> leaving, like there's like a cello in the mix as well. I was able to like leave the cello alone and it was right around like the same like frequency range as one another. And it was it was wild, just some of the stuff it could do. Um, as far as integrating into a chain, I mean, I don't know. I, I I also use it for, like, the final post-bounce replay. Just like, okay, we're out of the DAW and everything. Sometimes stuff can happen in a DAW, po- like, as stuff is bouncing. It's I, I have seen and heard it, and so... I'll just use it as a final check and a reference. It works perfect for me. I love the replay with it. I love just visually inspecting things. Um, and yeah, I just kind of use it as like pre um, upsampling. I do everything 9624. I try to sometimes not. And it's just like, yeah, I'm just better off working in one sample rate and calling it a day. Because it's like you'll get something that's 48, but then it's like you're working in 41. And it's like, do I trust that, that like everything's being converted all right? And then it's like, it's like, oh, something kind of sounds weird in the song. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, it's like it didn't like convert right from 48 to 41. And it's like, well, what the hell is the actual like true? What's it supposed to sound like? Then you're playing it off a of Google Drive or something <laughs> from it's like, I don't care. It's like I want just everything at one sample rate. I love working at 96. <clears throat> it does send the computer to Mars, as Sam says. He's never said it on here, but he says it to me all the time. Um, and then after, I just use it for quality control. Let's move on. Um, this was one dad family questions. When is the right time to have kids? It's a great question. My this will just be my experience. I would say it's contextually bound, but for my wife and I, we intentionally waited 10 years so that I could do music and that was a conversation we had when we started dating. I straight up told her I was I wanted 10 years to do music and see if I could grow a business before we had kids because I didn't want to have to financially provide for children or if it was going to take like 60 hours a week, I wanted to be able to devote that to it early on. So we did wait 10 years. And on the 10-year mark, uh, we basically said, where are we at? And we said, everything's going great. We're where we want to be and financially feel prepared and have a space for a child. And then we had, thankfully, we're able to have a child the next year. And now I have a 14-month-old, which is crazy. Um, I'm so glad we waited, to be honest. And my wife is too. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's pros and cons or ways you can spin it either way, but 
I feel like having the business established and bringing in consistent, quote unquote, consistent income, meaning like it's not paycheck to paycheck anymore, uh, which took like six or seven years, um, that it's just way less stressful to have a child and bring it into the world knowing you can pay for it and pay for yourself. But that's just my personal, I like knowing that's doable. I'll also um, say that y'all got married um, pretty young. Yes. At tw- uh, my wife real? was 20 and I was 22. So, yeah. Um, so, let me take a drink of water before I start because I think I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here. This is almost like a thing. This is this is like borderline talking politics here. <laughs> um, uh, essentially... My wife and I got married when we were, she was like 30, I was 29. Um, so it's like obviously like the 10 year thing would be a little different for us um, being married later. Um, but everyone has a different timeline and everything. Correct. Definitely, um, yes. It'd been, it would be wild if I met my wife in my like 20s or teens. <laughs> I'd, that, that would be, that would be fun because it's like you got like so much growing up that you got to do. It's, um, I mean, yeah, it's got its own challenges. Um, lot to learn in those ten years. Yes, because like you learn a lot about yourself in your twenties, hundred percent. And that's a lot of growing um, and learning to do with somebody else as well. Yep. Um, that would have been cool. Um, so my wife and I, we weren't going to have kids for the first five years that we were married, and uh, lo and behold, I love my wife so much. We had uh, we. Were, she was pregnant with Emery in like four months. <laughs> um, we were scared shitless and uh, didn't really know anything, wasn't really making a lot of money, had just started. Mastering business had been going for like a little bit, not really bringing in any money. And uh, my new business was like $500 every other week. Um, so not a super amount of cash. Um but we were able to kind of keep it a little bit steady, but it was still like, you know, kind of really early cash. Um, <clears throat> however, looking back, well, and then like uh, whenever he was three, we did plan on uh, having our second Elliot. And, uh, but it's like right after that, essentially. Um, I mean, I said this. I guess I said this in the episode last December. Um, last year, Brittany was diagnosed with breast cancer, and so it's kind of to a point to where it's like you know we're not really going to be able to, like, like more kids are not feasible for us. Like getting kind of personal in it. Um, not saying that we're not open to adoption or something down the road, um, but us having kids is not uh, going to be an option. So. Uh, and we wanted we wanted like four kids. This is all like way more information I probably should be sharing, but um, this is all me to say to you because this is on my heart, which I don't really speak from my heart too much, I suppose. <laughs> um, me to you to this question: When's the right time to have kids? Um, I would say don't wait. Have more kids than you can afford. Um, have as many as you can have. Um, I think it is an investment that will pay dividends. 
Um, is the world in a scary place? The world's always in a scary place. It's like, I don't know. Let's look at a nature metaphor. It's like, what does the grass do when it's stressed out? It goes to seed. What does anything do when it's in nature, when it's stressed out? Uh, plant-based, whatever. It goes to seed. Um, wants to multiply itself. I'm not saying that's a good... <coughs> I'm not saying that's a good strategy, but it's never a good time to like do it. And it's like, I feel like you can be as prepared as you want to be, but I don't know. <coughs> I, I I would personally say have an irresponsible amount of kids. That's just me, though. Um, all right. Hopping into this one. We literally have like 10 minutes left. Great. <coughs> and then I am not talking for the rest of the night. <laughs> Best way to do brisket, Sam, go ahead. Oh, my gosh. However Matt tells you. I have you. a great way to do it, but I don't know if I can talk anymore. I was going to say, however Matt tells you to do it, that's how you do it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yo, my brisket is... I don't want to drop an F-bomb. It is fucking amazing. I love it. (coughs) Boston. I kid you not. I do. Like, I'm like rubbing my hands over here. (laughs) Um, Here, you go ahead. You go first. I mean, the way I like to do it is, obviously, you need to buy some quality brisket. And then, if it's not trimmed up, you need to trim the fat down and the silver off. Um... And then I like I'm like to, still taking meds over here. <laughs> I like to do now I'm just doing like salt and pepper, which I think is kind of what you're doing, Matt. Um on it for like I do an overnight or like 24 hours. And then uh you can either smoke it overnight or you'll need like probably well, depending on the size, but usually like 12, 14 hours. Um at 225. I like to do 225 personally on the Traeger. Um, and then uh, usually I'll wrap it and uh, at some point it stalls out when you're trying to get temp. And so you got to get through yeah, that. Yeah, your 160 is your stall. To allow the fat rendering <coughs> and that's where a lot of people get stuck and they turn up the temperature and then it kind of gets ruined. So you got to allow that time uh, for it to get through that fat rendering. Do you wrap it? Yes, I wrap it, yeah. What do you use? I use parchment paper for it. Um, and then once you get to temp, you got to have a great rest time. And I put it in a cooler and let it rest for like three to four hours. Dude, coolers, like, I've done like let it rest in like a... <coughs> In an oven that's turned off. I've yeah. done coolers. Coolers just work the best. Yeah. You need to know, though, at least with ours, that cooler is no longer usable outside of smoke resting. <laughs> oh, I still use it. The cooler I have just permanently smells like smoked meat, which isn't necessarily bad, but... People just wonder where the meat is. Yeah, it just is that. But yeah, it's honestly... The brisket thing is, if you can get it either trimmed up or you have to learn how to trim it up yourself... And then it's just a time game. That's really the the ones that to me don't taste great when I was starting was like I ran out of rest time with the cooler mm-hmm. or I like rushed it to get past the stall out stage, which is online. Everybody says don't do that. Like 
you can read where they this is like amateur 101. But when you got a family or like people over who want to eat and you're like, oh guys, I'm about three hours out <laughs> in the cooler, you just end up cutting that thing open and putting barbecue sauce on it. <laughs> it's saying, here All you right, go. We got five minutes and I gotta answer mine and yes. then two more to do. Yeah, okay. So that's that's <coughs> uh that's the quick it, the quick brisket. Ask Matt, DM Matt. General generally I'll do a 14 pounder. I'll trim it up myself um, the night before. Um, you're going to lose factor. You're going to lose about a third of the weight uh, through the trimming and then the cutting. Um, I season salt and pepper. I really love meat church stuff. Um, their holy cow is delicious. Uh, that or just salt pepper. And then I let that kind of hang on there. It's called like a dry brine. I let that hang on there for um, like like an hour or so. <laughs> I actually will, if I'm doing it overnight, I'll generally do 18 to 22 hour smokes. Um, I will actually for the first while, I'll actually just do it at like a buck 80 and just like like ridiculously low um, and just see how high I can get it. Generally, you can get up to 160 within like, I don't know, a decent amount of overnight time. But like, if you put it on at like eleven or so o'clock, by the time you wake up, you're gonna be like one fifty-five to like one fifty to one sixty-five. So you'll be like right in that range. Then I wrap in butcher paper. By the way, I do fat down. I don't under like I don't understand the whole argument of fat up. That like the fat's gonna drip down like into the meat and kind of make it more moist. Doesn't make sense to me um, because that's not what happens. Um, and, like, it, even if it is what happens, where's your bark going to form? It's going to really form on the top. And it's like if you potentially, <coughs> it's like, do you want bark forming on top of fat? That's essentially what you need to ask yourself. I generally do not. So I do fat down. Um, and then, uh, anyway, I get it to 160-ish, and then I wrap it in butcher paper, non-waxed. Uh, pop it back in, turn everything up to like 125, let it go up to uh, 203 internal or like probe tender, uh, pull it out, let it rest for three hours in a cooler, and then uh, slice and serve, man. It's uh works every time. Do not rush it. Do not turn up the temp. Do not do anything. Just let it go. All right. Um, had someone in the very beginning. How do I fix this crabgrass taking over my yard? <laughs> Ooh. That's Matt again. <coughs> Default to Matt. I have I have actually a theory. Um, shit, I gotta... We, have, we, we don't have enough time for all this. Um, the crabgrass, it is a complete pain in the butt. The first thing you do, if you are in a northern state where you seed grass... Um, you cannot seed and do a pre-emergent in the same like calendar year, so you have to forego uh, overseeding. But essentially, you want either prodiamine or dithiapure. Um, those are the two pre-emergents. The and essentially, what you're trying to do is you're trying to create some type of a chemical layer at the ground level to keep the germination um, below ground level. Um, so the, your germination points are as the ground temperature coming out of winter exceeds 55 degrees Fahrenheit 
or in the fall as ground temperatures fall below 70 degrees. This is not air temp, it's ground temp. Um, so you want a spring and a winter, or spring and fall uh, pre-emergence. Um, that's your first best layer of defense. <coughs> um, then after that, once it's already up, um, there's like a immadillo like quote cloprid or something. You can spray it. Um, I don't really like it too much. And like you have to really be careful because in the summer, a lot of these things like temp out. And so like you can't really do anything over 85 degrees because the rest of your grass like around it, wherever you're spraying will get, um, it's called uh, chlorosis. And uh, it's essentially like the, the flow of like chlorophyll and everything isn't really as efficient to keep the grasses green. And so it's going to yellow out and whatnot. Um, what you can do, and I have seen people do, is you can take some of this selective herbicide, is what it's called, and you can put it on a towel and you can paint it onto the crabgrass. Here's my unofficial thing that I have been experimenting with. And it's destroying the weed at the cellular cellular level. Only works right now for broadleaf weeds because I don't think you can really do it with like nuts edge and kalinga and stuff. Um, you could, but I think you destroy other stuff because it's not a broadleaf. Um, I actually own those air dusters, and if you have like a really big patch of this thing, um, I actually will like kind of freeze it. And it's like, even if it doesn't freeze, it um, I, I'm trying to figure out if it'll trick it that it's uh, in frost and that it's like too cold for it to grow and that it will go away. I've tried it twice, and I currently don't have any crabgrass growing where I have done it. And so crabgrass was there, and now it's not there and didn't come back. You can try it. It's kind of interesting. It's not overly inexpensive, but that's just me. The best thing is just to try to get ahead of it. Um, we'll get to this last one. What made you steer towards specifically mastering as a livelihood? What motivated you to do? Uh, this is going to be an episode. Yep, I'm saving this for an episode. <laughs> Sorry, Jacob. You're getting a whole episode out of this one. I like that one. All right. To be continued, I suppose. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything that comes in will be added to the next Q&A. That will be spring of 2024. Yes. <coughs> Uh, do you mind doing the outro so I can take a chance to breathe? Of course, yeah. Outro. That would be great. Thank you. Thank you, listener, for uh, another great Q&A. Thank you for your questions. You can still send them. You hear this episode and you got one, send Please. it to us. We write them down. We keep running through them. Um, it's great. Most of the questions are, I'll say, timeless. So keep sending them. Um, if you like the beat you're hearing, I made it. <laughs> So thank me. Matt always says to thank me. Um, I love the music you make. Thank I, you. Like I, I am so it. lucky for like having you who, do, who does this. Oh, you're so so thank you. It's, it's, it's fun. Anyway, uh, if you like the sweet beat, you can just say hi to me. Say I like the beat. If not, that's honestly fine as well. Um, you can find Matt if you need a mastering engineer for the record mastering. You can find me at Moses Mastering. Uh, if you dig the show, like, subscribe, share it. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it for now. We'll keep it short and simple. Whatever you're having, have a good one. Sam, cue the music. Cue it! Thanks, y'all. Take care. I'm going to not talk the rest of the day.